the ninth chapter. Oh, hallelujah. This is basically talking about a demon-possessed son. But I will not be talking about the situation as much as the answer that Jesus gave in verse 23. Mark 9, 23. And Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believe it. Praise God. I don't know if you can be seated or not, but if you can, please be seated. It's pretty hard to go from a dead run. Some of you I know could win in the Olympics. Some of you can high jump at least seven feet, I know. Oh, hallelujah. We do not run just to be running, and we don't jump just to be jumping. But we do it as sincere worship unto God. I want to speak on the subject, miracles happen in miracle territory. That's a little bit fancier way of saying that in order to have miracles, you have to have an atmosphere for miracles. We feel that God has performed some miracles. First, I want to back up something that happened a couple weeks ago. We were fasting and praying for Brother Henry Ritchie for his church in Fort-de-France, Martinique. Uh, He has a little tiny building, does not own the building. He meets downtown. It's 10 feet wide and 65 feet long little tiny, long, narrow building. <clears throat> Some would describe this as a shotgun-type building. They did obtain permission, which they had been trying to get for two or three years. They did obtain permission to build, uh, based, however, upon an in- environmental impact. You wouldn't believe they'd have that down in the islands, but... It doesn't seem like anything makes much of an impact. But nevertheless, they are a bit laid back in the islands, and they seemingly don't care what anybody else does. But they were concerned about the noise that Brother Rich's church might make. Uh, This song that we're singing, Whose Side Are You Leaning On? I got that song from them. It's kind of become a... theme song for us. I've had several people to come and tell me, said, in a moment of discouragement, I started singing that song. It just seemed like it meant so much. I like it. You probably know that. Man, there's just all kinds of things that you can, you can, you know, you can, all kinds of activities that you're involved, involved in. Work, whose side are you working on? Whose side are you driving on? You know. <clears throat> Make sure it's on the right side. 
But I think what we should do is this back up with our fasting and prayer because we have a partial victory. We should back up and pray that the city will rule favorably on the riches. <clears throat> I'm sure that building will not be air-conditioned. If it is, it will be the only building in Fort de France that's air-conditioned. That just simply means they, they'll let out a lot of noise. <clears throat> but uh, let's pray, because we do feel that God has performed a miracle already. He has the plans drawn. They're already, they got this little tiny lot. But their sister Thomas were down there, and they saw this. The street that they're building on, it runs just about this angle, downhill toward town. And then there's a street that comes off of that and goes about like this. So if you can, just going down like this, and they're going to build on this in here. There's a building in there, and they have to uh, tear this building down. So they were bringing a uh, crew of people and just demolish the building, take it out. Then they're going to build like four stories. First story on the bottom, as you go down that side street, will be parking. Then they have another another driveway in, will be parking. And then on the corner, you go into the main sanctuary. And then from the upper part of the street, you go in the balcony. <clears throat> so it's stacked up four stories high. A lot of the houses are that way. You have two or three families living in a house, and you never know there's anything above you or below you. It's just because everything's on a hillside. <clears throat> just where it is such a unique life but I will say this <clears throat> they have more roosters down there at 12 o'clock at noon and about 12 o'clock at night they all start crowing I'm serious with you now if they can tolerate those roosters crowing they can certainly tolerate that Pentecostal church I never heard so much noise I mean they'll wake you up just wake you right up just crow 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 but I believe that God is going to give brother and sister Richie their congregation favor and they'll be able to build this so let's include that in our prayers and also our fasting <clears throat> then this past week we just we saw such a great miracle is, is Shelly Harris here tonight Shelly okay talk with your mom she said you gave maybe it was Kathy I'm not for sure who gave her my number but she called me just before I came to church, and Jan was just ecstatic. And she just said, you know, we have a miracle. And I wanted to call and talk to you about this. She said, up at the VA hospital, they are saying that Tom's survival was just a miracle indeed. I made mention of it this morning, Tom Harris Went into the hospital. He refused to go in. Uh, paramedics came to pick him up. He wouldn't go in. And then Shelley took him in. I don't know what time in the morning. You said 6 o'clock or something like that. 2.20. 6.20. He was in surgery for 10 and a half hours. The main artery going from the heart to the lungs, the aorta, broke, just bursted like a, uh, rotten garden hose. So when they cut into his chest, he, the whole cavity just filled with blood. 
ten and a half hours, crew worked on him. They gave him 52 units, I think, of blood, over 50 units of blood. They completed or depleted the, the supply of blood in all the Madison hospitals. And I told this this morning, but I want to tell it again because I'm talking about miracles tonight. We're going to just slow the pace down, just talk to you. I'm not going to try to get hype about this or anything. Just something that you should expect to happen. You should believe God that's going to happen. So, I was called after church on Thursday night and asked to come down. We went down to the hospital. They were just completing his surgery. The doctor says, we can't stop the bleeding. It's still bleeding, but we don't know what to do. Uh, Kathy and Lenny Smith were there. Jan Harris was there. Shelley was there. And then Tom's cousin and his wife, they were there. And we <clears throat> went into a waiting room, and we held hands, and we began to pray. Of course, they, everybody had been praying before this. Uh, they'd been praying in, in uh, <clears throat> Watertown, where Kathy and Lenny attend service. We began to pray. The Spirit of the Lord came down in such a great way. Now, <clears throat> we should have expected a miracle because we had been fasting and praying here for three days for miracles, you know. And you know the, the heaviness and such that you normally feel when someone is given only a few hours to live. The doctor said, oh, the most. Now this, this is what he said. I thought this was kind of funny. He says, now, <clears throat> the chances of surviving this are so slim. Someone stated 90% of the patients die, about 10% survive. I don't know if the doctor said that, but I heard that. But then when, this is what he said. He said, about 50% of the people die on the operating table. The other 50% die immediately afterwards. Well, if you know anything about mathematics, you know that's all of them. <laughs> Did you catch him saying that? <laughs> that's what he said. <clears throat> But he, this is what he did say. He said, but I, I want to tell you as a family that we've done all we can do. It's out of our hands. He said, I suggest that you pray to God and ask God for a miracle. He said, you know, miracles do happen. And Jan called and said, you know, I just wanted to, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> thank you, Brother Grant, and please extend my thanks to Brother Manley for coming down. He said, the talk is all over the hospital among the staff that God has performed a miracle. <laughs> Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? Praise God. Praise God. The next afternoon I was up there. We were down there quite late Thursday night after church, I think to about 1.30 or so in the morning. I'm not for sure just how long. Then the next afternoon I went down and I went in. Of course, Tom had so many 
different uh, tubes and such attached to him. I talked to him and prayed for him. I felt that he knew that I was doing this. I saw his, his, his foot was moving. He moved his foot back and forth. And then he has responded. <clears throat> and they've taken off a good number of the tubes. But we're going to believe that God's going to bring him out of this. And you know what I believe in? I believe that God has done something to Jan Harris in this ordeal. <clears throat> believing that. I said, you know, Jan, I've known you since 1976. I said, you know, we can't say we've been close, but I see you real often. You've been to many of our services. I said, we have developed a friendship that uh, I feel is going to last as long as we're here on the earth. And you know that we're your friend. And we have considered you to be a very dear friend of ours. And we're going to be praying for you and praying for your family. We've been very supportive. Jan just kind of broke down. You need to, need to believe God. God's going to do something for her. I'd like to see her down at this altar. Repenting of her sins. <clears throat> I'd like to see her go down in the tank in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. <clears throat> now, the reason why that I wanted to talk and slow the pace down is because sometimes when we look at miracles, we look at something that's so much in defiance of natural laws that, that, <clears throat> that it only happens to a select few. Now, we'll say this. I titled this, I think appropriately, because very rarely ever will a miracle occur in someone's life unless they have created some type of atmosphere for it. Now, please keep in mind that you and I, as children of the Lord, we can create an atmosphere for a miracle in a person's life. See, when you're praying with someone at the altar, and this is why it's such a great ministry, how do you get that person in the spirit? You give them faith. You can give people faith, quoting scripture, worshiping. I've seen a lot of people, they know people start jumping around like we're jumping around, just scare some people half to death, but before it's all over with, unbeknowing to them, something's happening inside. Before you know it, they just kind of break down, they just melt. Wow. <clears throat> that happens. And it really happens that way. So you can give them faith. Now I talked uh, <clears throat> a couple of weeks ago about uh, the hedge of thorns and how you can put a hedge, a hedge of thorns or a hedge of protection around your loved ones. You can do this. I believe that. I believe that with all my heart. But when we speak of miracles, sometimes <clears throat> we think that it's so far out of reach that, that there's no need to be even trying because it's so supernatural. A miracle, by the way, is something that defies the so-called natural order or natural law. 
And I use the word so-called for a reason. <clears throat> you see, what is the natural law? Now, I've written down some things here that seem to be a little confusing, but I want you to listen to it. What is the natural law? The sum total of what we understand about how the world, that is, the world we think we're observing, really works. See, sometimes you're not really for sure how things are happening. You know, but you just don't really know. We think we know, but sometimes we don't know. <clears throat> In other words, <clears throat> it is conceivable that our ever-seeing mechanism drastically alters reality. Now, am I making sense? In other words, sometimes the way you perceive things alters reality. That is in your mind. You, you think it's this way, and it really is not that way. Sometimes we must have faith that what we observe is actually as it appears. Now that seems to be contradictory. Let me explain something. The reason why I put it this way. <laughs> you know, you can get your faith in reverse. Like Job said, the thing that I feared most of all has come upon me. In other words... What you can do, you can conjure up things in your mind and believe that they're really this way when they're really not that way. I'm not trying to take away from the miraculous. I'm not trying to destroy God's ability to do that which is, which is contrary to nature. But sometimes nature itself even stacks up favorably, and we say it's not because we conjured up something in our own mind. And when we see things as they really are, we want to accept them as they are. I think you can look in the, in, in the book of Acts, in, what is it, in the 12th chapter of the book of Acts, where Peter was put in prison, and God miraculously opened the doors. <clears throat> See, the first automatic doors were not in Kmart. <clears throat> they were in Acts, the 12th chapter. I mean, this man walked out, and the doors just swung open. Well, <clears throat> he decided he'd look for his his friends, and he found them. They were having a prayer meeting. And when he knocked on the door, you know, the Bible says watch and pray. A whole bunch of people pray, and one person was watching. I, I assume it's that way. A damsel by the name of Rhoda ran to the door. When he knocked on the door, who's outside? He said, it's Peter, Simon Peter. But she didn't even bother to open the door, the Bible says, because she knew the voice. But she ran back in. She said, hey, everybody, stop praying. Let's rejoice. Simon Peter's at the door. They said, you've got to be kidding. He's not out there. What are we praying for? We're praying for a miracle. Well, it's not that simple to have a miracle. I mean, he's in prison, you know. <clears throat> I don't know what they were expecting. But when reality, when reality 
stared them right in the face. They would not even accept the things that were natural, the things that were real. And the reason why is because they conjured up in their own mind (coughs) circumstances that drastically altered reality. It can't be that way. He said, oh, she, she said, oh, I heard his voice. Did you see him? No. It must be a spirit. It must be an angel. That's not Simon Peter. He's still on the outside, locked outside, pounding on the door. And they're inside arguing about whether he's out there or not. He can't, he can't be out there. <clears throat> so you see, the reason why <clears throat> that I said it is conceivable that our seeing mechanism drastically alters reality. When I say our seeing mechanism, sometimes it's not just our eyes, it's the way we perceive things. In other words, God can be performing a miracle for you, but doubt drastically alters natural occurring circumstances that would stack up favorably for you. Can't believe. Just can't believe. There's no way I can believe. <clears throat> now I've got three things that I wrote down, and listen to these very carefully. Miracles can happen any time. Number one, that God is involved directly and personally in someone's life. <clears throat> Do you think God is involved in your life? I mean, when you're down here singing, whose side are you leaning on? I'm leaning on the Lord's side. And you're dancing in the Spirit. You better believe He's involved in your life. Now, that simply means that everyone who felt the Holy Spirit and worshiped powerfully in the Spirit tonight, that God (coughs) is involved directly and personally with you, and you can start right now believing because God is involved with you that a miracle can and will happen for you. And don't alter reality with doubt. In other words, don't try to change the circumstances. People do that all the time. I've preached and preached and preached, and last time I mentioned this, since then... I've taken note, I've heard this one time from one person (coughs) who claims to be a child of God. This person said, well, knowing my luck, it's going to turn out that way. And what they were saying is, if it can happen unfavorably to me, in other words, if anything bad can happen to me, it will happen to me. Since I last mentioned that about three weeks ago, I've heard one person say that. I hear it all the time. Well, knowing my luck. And what you're doing, you're, you're altering even natural circumstances. That is, in your own mind you are. And adversely pitting yourself against what you need most of all. And that is the Holy Ghost working in your life. In other words, don't stop God. When the Bible says that they hindered, they stopped the Holy One of Israel. They crossed the Red Sea and they stopped God because 
even though they had seen the miracle of the sea, and they simply could not believe what they saw with their eyes. I mean, they, couldn't, they couldn't believe what they saw with their eyes. Sometimes we think believing is seeing something that's not natural. Well, <clears throat> it is that. But sometimes it's really just seeing and believing the things that are stacking up favorably for you. Because sometimes we can just get so negative that we can't, we can't even believe that God is involved. All right. The number two thing that you need, miracles happen and can happen anytime when we recognize God's presence. In other words, we know God is working our life, but do we recognize what I consider the tangible presence of God? Now, I say tangible because it leaves tangible results. <clears throat> and I think uh, <clears throat> when, when, when you see people worshiping, you see people clapping, these are all tangible results of, of God, the intangible working on you. <clears throat> see... Christianity becomes intangible or religion becomes intangible when you lose your close association with God. When you can physically, when you know, you look at your arms on occasion and in the presence of God you see the, the goosebumps all over. My God is real. And people attend our services, they don't always know what they feel, but they say, I felt something. Amen. I challenged a man one time. <clears throat> I was on the streets doing some street work, and I challenged this man. I said, you attend three services and see if it doesn't change your thinking. Then believe in God, see. He attended the first service. So I'm just sitting in the back. <clears throat> Didn't do a thing. Sitting there. The next service, <clears throat> he just sat there for a while. I noticed when we really got to romping and stomping, <clears throat> I mean, when we really started worshiping, I noticed he's doing like this. It was a hot summer night, and he came that night without... He had sandals on. He was sitting way close to the back, about where Brother Greg Powell is, and he had his foot out in the aisle, a little bit like Brother Greg or Brother John Gominder. And I noticed his big toe going like this. <laughs> Just going up and down in time of the music. The third service, it was all like he said, Whoa, what difference does it matter? Let's just clap our hands. And he started clapping his hands. He's going like this. <clears throat> that was my last service in La Crosse, Wisconsin. The church were giving us a the church was giving us a fair, farewell type uh, luncheon, I think, downstairs afterwards. And when after the altar call, the man stood up and said, could I say something? 
came to the front, and he says, you know what? I owe a lot to Pastor Grant. I'm sorry he's leaving. He said, tonight, I saw the light. He said, I saw the light. For several years, just every now and then, I'd get a call. He'd, he'd tell me. He said, you remember me? I said, yes. He called me long distance from lacrosse. He said, you know what? I'm not going to church. But he said, I will say this. If I ever go to heaven, it'll be because of those three services when I know I saw the light. I'll always believe that there's a God. Now, they recognize his presence. The last thing, listen to this. This is the one that I want to talk more about than any. A miracle happens any time that people do or live their life radically different than they did before as a result as a result of their relationship with God. In other words, has God's spirit drastically altered your life? In certain places in the Bible, it's called conversion. <clears throat> but in some services like this, or service like this morning, this morning we had a very moving service had several people that came up to me and expressed themselves in a very moving way. I'm talking about people who were weeping, people who were sobbing. We have a lady that attends our church, and I, I just wish that you, this is just an unspoken request, I can't give the name, but there's a lady that talked with me in the vestibule and said, pray that I can get back with God the way I was 20 years ago. She said, I, I saw the need today. Got to get back like I was 20 years ago. Just got to do that. <clears throat> In other words, they live their life radically different as a result of their encounter with God. Now, <clears throat> here's what happens. I told you, we're just going to slow this down. I want to let this sink in real good. I want everybody to think. All the way from the little children, all the way to the oldest adults in this place, you need to start believing that God is working favorably for you. <coughs> you see, God will do good things for every person that he possibly can. I believe that. Because he, by nature, is good. Here's what happens, though. Sometimes we expect supernatural results without rendering supernatural service. This is the reason why the Bible tells us to walk in the Spirit. See? Because when you walk in the Spirit, you can render supernatural service. 
In other words, we create an atmosphere for the supernatural. If you remember, I think it was about this time last year, in fact, I know it was, that I preached a message, and I preached this message in all of our sectional conferences, and I titled this message, An, an Atmosphere for Revelation. How you can create an atmosphere in your own life for divine revelation. And how you do this, and how it, it happens. Now, I'm not going to go into all of that. I don't want to be that redundant. But nevertheless, let me just explain something to some of you who perhaps did not hear this. You see, in almost every uh, conquest that you have in life when it comes to God, that the right atmosphere must be created. In other words, if you come down to the altar and pray and, and you're repenting, <coughs> you know if you repent of your sins, the promise of the Holy Ghost is given unto you. However, please keep in mind that there's a whole lot of people that repent and the Holy Ghost does not come to them quickly or readily. Now, you can see other people who come down and repent. You just know they're going to receive the Holy Ghost. There seems to be that determination. There seems to be that drive. There seems to be that hunger. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, He that hungereth and thirsteth after righteousness shall be filled. So if you want to receive the Holy Ghost, the right atmosphere must be there. It's, it's, it's disappointing indeed for me, I, I'm pretty sure it is for you, when, when we have a long altar service and many people praying and great victory, and when we finally say amen, we say, who received the Holy Ghost? And nobody's received the Holy Ghost. It's very disappointing, isn't it? Because you just expect it because the atmosphere was right. See? Well, we know <clears throat> that the right atmosphere is actually created for receiving the Holy Ghost when a person fully repents. Because one of the fruits of repentance is desire, what vehement desire. And, and you, need, you need that hunger, that drive, that desire inside of you because Christianity was never intended to be mechanical. While discipline is the name of the game, you can't just run your life on discipline. In other words, make yourself do things. You must want to do what you are doing in order to be fully productive. You're going to hit some, some dry spells, some dry holes, so to speak, when every now and then you just do what you need to do simply because you know that you ought to do it. And that's the way it is. And so you pray whether you feel like praying or not. And you discipline yourself to certain uh, principles whether you want to or not. Because the flesh, if left alone to have its own way, will destroy you. See? See, there, there's just certain things that, uh, that you can't... Like greed. See, the only conclusive evidence that you have that you've ever conquered greed is your ability to give away. In other words... When you give, this is the only evidence that you have that you've conquered greed. And guess what? When you conquered it and you give away, you're happy. See? I mean, you're really happy. See? And in order for the right atmosphere to be created, sometimes even people have to be depressed. Now, I've come to a conclusion more recently, the depression is not really a bad thing. 
I don't know much about it because I, I can truthfully say that I'm not a person that I get down and stay down a long time. <clears throat> but I will say this, that depression drives a lot of people into deep thought. It's a time of reevaluation. Now please understand that you have to take this in, in the right context. I'm not talking about clinical depression where people just get down and they stay down. They can't figure out what's wrong. Maybe they're not even trying to figure out what's wrong. They're just down. They just stay down. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about that it, it's contrary to what a lot of people say. It's, it's not just happy and giddy all the way. It's not dancing and running and leaping all the time. There are going to be some, some of you people that are going to come in here, and while everybody's leaping, you wish that you could leap. But you, knew, you know in your own heart, if I get up and run around, I'll be doing it just because I've disciplined myself to it. I don't feel it coming out. I don't feel anything pushing it out of me. It's a time of reevaluation. It's a time of, uh, uh, of just c considering some of the facts of life. Now, those periods of time are necessary. The reason why is because, see, happiness happens to be one of the fruits of joy. See, there is really a difference between joy and happiness. Nobody can take your joy away from you, but, but the fruit of that can be taken away from you momentarily. See, I like to compare <clears throat> depression and happiness, which, which are, are, are really opposing forces, like this, <clears throat> we have winter time. Now, I grew up in East Texas. We planted our gardens in February. Can you believe that? And a lot of the old timers, they would plant in what they call the 12 old days. Now, I don't know where they got this, probably from the farmer's almanac. But 12 days after Christmas, they'd plant a garden, some of them. And they said that if you plant in those days, that the frost or the ice will not kill the plants. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but some of them did. They planted in what they call the 12 old days. I had to move to Wisconsin to find out things do die in the wintertime. <laughs> they really do. But those periods of death are needful. <clears throat> like Jesus said, Jesus said, oppression must come. He didn't say depression, but oppression. In other words, something's got to put pressure on you and oppress you. God's going to allow that. You remember this morning I, I made this statement. I still believe this. Before any man can be in a strategic location with God, he must, God allows the person to go through a lot of hard, trying, discouraging experiences. <clears throat> We're talking about faith tonight, though. I said, We're talking about faith tonight, see. And we're talking about creating an atmosphere. But it's out of that atmosphere of death that can come total dependence on God. And it's not going to come any other way. Jesus said, except a grain of wheat fall on the ground 
and die. Or corn, wheat, fall on the ground and die. It abideth alone. Whosoever falleth on the rock shall be broken. But among whom the rock shall fall, it shall grind him to powder. So those periods in which happiness are seemingly gone, evaporated, dissipated, erased. And we just sit lonely and somewhat depressed can be very, very productive, providing we don't stay there. Because after every winter comes a spring. After every winter comes a spring. So God might just be creating the right atmosphere in you for a miracle when He allows you to go through some of these trying moments of time. And I may surprise you to tell you this, and I may be the first preacher that would ever tell you this, but you can live in the Spirit just as much in those low moments as you can in these high moments. Now, you may not feel as victorious, but you can still remain intact, not lose your integrity. I think this is true in the life of Job. While he didn't necessarily feel like dancing or running or leaping or shouting or anything of this nature, he did indeed keep his relationship with God. He did not curse God. He did not. Now, another situation is, let's say if a man's praying for wisdom, he needs wisdom for his family. James says, if any man lacketh wisdom, <clears throat> let him ask of God who giveth liberally. So if there's a deficiency in your life, you ask God, and God who giveth liberally will give you all the wisdom you need as a husband or as a father of your household. Now let me just say this, I... I believe this with all my heart. You know, the man should be the head of the household. I believe that. Now, what happens sometimes is that because some of the wives are smarter, <clears throat> I didn't see who clapped. By the way, who did clap? <clears throat> because some of the wives are smarter, sometimes the husband will feel that he has to give up his position as the head of the household. Now, if we went solely on those bases, we'd probably take some kind of a test, and the person with the highest IQ would be the pastor. I will assure you that if we took an IQ test, I would not score nearly as high as many of you. I will assure you that. But I don't let your brains intimidate me. <clears throat> I can't afford to. You follow what I'm saying? So sometimes fathers and even mothers, because there may be... <laughs> Maybe a husband and wife, and you may have a child that's smarter than both of you put together. And in many cases they're not, but they think they are. 
you know. So you need wisdom. So the Bible says, if any man lacketh wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth liberally. However, if you want to create the right atmosphere to become a recipient of the wisdom of God, the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So you create the right atmosphere by walking softly in the presence of God and reverently in the presence of God. So the right atmosphere then is created. If you want a miracle, there must be the right atmosphere created for that miracle. And the right atmosphere is created when you render service that you consider to be supernatural. In other words, are you willing to go the extra mile by by believing that you can do things through the Holy Ghost that you could not do otherwise? Now, i got to tell you something, okay? When I was told that I needed to go to the hospital after Thursday night service, I said to myself, I don't know how in the world I'm going to be able to do this. Sister Grant can tell you. All day long, I don't know if it's cold weather or what, my ankle burned like fire. And I have a nerve in my left leg that I don't know what's wrong with. I stand here I, right now. I'm not standing on this leg. I have this leg <laughs> up a little bit. I have my foot inside the pulpit just resting a little bit. My bad ankle is on the right foot, and I stand more on the left leg, and now I've got a nerve problem. And when someone came up and told me, Pastor, you're wanted at the hospital right now. I said, oh, God, I don't think I can do this. I said, yes, I can. Praise God. I'm a preacher. I live a life in the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> I teach people that have to go the extra mile. I can go. Praise God. <clears throat> Not only that, I got locked outside of my house. <clears throat> that day, it was five below zero with about a 30 below wind chill, and I stayed out about 20 minutes. I had no way of getting in. I had to break the door down. I'm serious with you. And the whole problem was that I had a key, I thought, hid up underneath the van, and I'm going to get it, but I had to get down on my back. And I was cold. I meant cold. And finally I realized I'm getting in bad shape. and I've got to get into this house. And so I took and lunged against the door and broke the door down. I got inside. The problem was that about 15 or 20 minutes later, I didn't think I could walk. I don't think I can do this. Then I get this call. It was that call, though. I probably would be sick today. I was feeling a little sorry for myself, you know. But it was that call that set off a spark inside of me. I said, look, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I've got to go to the hospital. My back has got to be okay. My leg's got to be all right. My ankle's got to be all right. And we went down there and stayed and listened. 
Not only did we pray, we had a great time. We fellowship. In fact, that spirit of heaven has lifted, lifted up, and we started just having a good time. One of the, I don't know, was some man came and closed the door and said, it's okay if I close this door. People sleeping around here. <clears throat> we were just talking about God and good times and the Lord and such. And when we got back in the car and we started to go home, I looked and I said, "Hun, can you believe the time? But I said, you know what happens? Every time something like this happens, my burden and my calling in God seems to be renewed. And how many times have you not felt like even coming to church? But when you got here and you rendered service that was just above and beyond the normal. You see, we're talking about expecting supernatural results, but we're not willing to give any service above and beyond the norm. That's, that is very, very necessary. Very necessary. Let's talk about building your boat before it rains. You see, that's what happened in the book of Genesis. Isn't it true? Sure it happened in the book of Genesis. If you just turn back there, I'll tell you, when I got to reading this and I... And it came to pass, Genesis 6, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. <clears throat> now you have to watch about this dating unbelievers. And we're going to have the, just a little smorgasbord right here for a little while. You've got to watch this. You know that? When the Bible says not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, you better believe that God knew what he was talking about. I remember one time, mother came to me and she says, Oh, my daughter is dating this unbeliever. But you know, she's real strong in the Lord. I said, Oh, no, she isn't. Oh, yes, she prays. She's not strong in God, otherwise she wouldn't be doing this. If you're strong in God, you do what God says. <clears throat> now you can make yourself believe that you're strong, but don't be dating unbelievers. Period. No exception to the rule. Period. It's the way it is. Okay. All right. This is the way. That, this is the reason why the world got in such a a, a mess. I mean, it really got in a mess. And the reason why, because it was a breaking down. Of faith in God. The devil's got a plan, you know. To you young, handsome guys, he'd like to parade some sinful girl. Beautiful. In front of you. It's just, wow. Don't get involved with them. If they're after you, ask them to come to church. But please don't start dating them on faith that they're going to get saved. Because it might be that you become their convert, you know? <clears throat> all right. So in all this mess, the Bible says, verse 8, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. <clears throat> verse 22 of chapter 6, Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. 
Verse 7, or chapter 7, verse 1, And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark. For thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Now, he tells him what to do. Verse 5, And Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. Isn't that something? In other words, Noah was set on one thing, and that's doing what God told him to do. He was to build this ark the way God told him to build the ark. Now keep in mind, he built the ark before it rained. And the reason why that some people don't see the miracle that they need to see is because that they are not building their arks before the rain. In other words, they wait until trouble comes along, until they need a miracle, and then they think, well, I'll go out here, and all of a sudden I'll create this climate or this atmosphere. It's not by accident that miracles, for the most part, happen to people who are excited, who are living in the Spirit, who are rendering supernatural service to God. I'll guarantee you that 90% of all the miracles occurring on the planet Earth today are occurring by people who are fully dedicated and fully committed and people who are not letting grass grow under their feet, but they're actively involved in evangelism and the work of the Lord. Why is it that someone like Johnny Goodair or Sister Vesta Mangan, they're going, they're, they're speakers at our, at our prayer conference, why is it that they always can tell of these miracles? Because they're rendering supernatural service. In other words, could it be that they're actually looking at life as it's really stacking up and accepting it as it really is. This is the reason why they don't get down when things go wrong. But they don't have their faith in reverse. In other words, they're not conjuring up things in their mind to talk themselves out of things that God is really stacking up favor for. Am I making sense? So God told Noah, I want you to build this ark. Man, I want you to build this ark, and I want you to build it so long and so wide and so high. Wow. The problem is it never rained before. But God said it was going to rain. And you know what? Noah believed that. He really did believe that. Now see, I think a typical example of this, maybe even right here among us, you know the rapture is going to take place. When's the rapture going to take place? We don't really know for sure, but we know it's going to be soon. How many people have drastically altered their lifestyle preparing for that day? Now, you remember what I said? If you haven't drastically altered your lifestyle preparing for that day, that miracle probably will not occur for you. But Noah built his ark before it rained. Now, verse 9, it ends by saying, And God, as God had commanded Noah. In other words, he did like God had commanded him. Verse 11, And in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month and 17th day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the deep broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened. 
I don't know if you've ever thought about this or not. But in a spiritual sense, before the windows of heaven are opened, there must first be the breaking up of the fountains of the deep. First, it was the breaking up of the fountains of the deep before the windows of heaven were open. And we like to think of the fountains of the deep as the part that's inside of you that is responsible, that you're responsible for. So you can condition yourself inside of your heart, inside of your life, by breaking up those places inside of you that lets the Holy Ghost pour out of you. And when the Holy Ghost is able to pour out of you, then the windows of heaven are open and the Holy Spirit then ascends from heaven above. But I should not expect an outpouring of the Holy Ghost until first I have allowed the fountains of the deep to be open and God to move out of me. For he that believeth on me, as the scripture said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Should I expect God to honor my preaching tonight? If prior to my preaching I had not unstopped the fountains of the deep to let the Holy Ghost move out of me and flow out of me? I determined tonight when I walked in the prayer room, from the very moment I got inside, the Holy Ghost was going to start moving out of me. I determined that. I also determined when I stood behind the pulpit tonight that I would have great anointing. I prayed for it. I asked God for it. I will not stand behind the pulpit unless there's fire coming out my tongue and Holy Ghost coming out my fingertips. And the glory of God coming out of my soul. If I expect the windows of heaven to be open, there must be the unstopping, the breaking up of the fountains of the deep. Let it flow out of me, God. But some people can sit in the house of God. Oh, the windows of heaven are open. And they don't feel a thing coming down. And there's nothing moving and nobody's being affected. Break up the fountains of the deep. Hallelujah. Pray until you can't stop praying. Worship until you can't stop worshiping. Create an atmosphere. What are you doing? You're building your boat before it rains. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Because the rain is coming. And I'm going to float away one of these days. I've got to build my boat today because the rain comes tomorrow. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. In verse 16. And they that went in, went in male and female of all flesh, as God commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. Amen. That's the miracle you look for. 
protection, security, safety from Almighty God. When destruction comes, I want God to take me out of this world. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And just as sure as God opened the door, Noah had to build the ark. And I'm not trying to take away from the supernatural, but I know this, that I have my own place and my own responsibility in this. Praise God. In other words, he performed before the storm. That's basically the way it was. He performed before the storm. And you know, sometimes in order to do this, you have to go before you know. Hebrews 11th chapter verse 8 and we're getting to the end of this message but I, I, I want to turn there and I want to read this by faith Abraham when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance obeyed and he went out not knowing whether he went he had to go before he knew where he was going you have to go before you know because this denotes confidence in God. <clears throat> you're in miracle territory if you're willing to go before you know. You're in miracle territory if you're willing to build your boat before it rains. You're in miracle ter territory. If you're willing to march straight down to the rivers of fear, like Joshua, when he marched down to Jericho. Did you know when he marched down to Jericho, the Lord told him, said, I want you to send all of the sons of Kohath, that is, those carrying the ark, I want you to take them ahead. And, and those that are carrying the ark, the very moment that their feet touches the water, this is the moment that dry ground is going to appear. And they went to a place where there was a swelling of the rivers. That's what the Bible says. And they took this. <clears throat> See, the Ark of the Covenant represents the presence of God. And there were rings on each side. And they put a stave through this. Just a long pole through this. And the Ark was to be carried on the shoulders of the sons of Kohath. Now, Kohath was one of the sons of Levi. So they take this. And they run those staves through there. And they put this thing up. And we're marching down to the river. The whole problem is that the river was swollen. And they're going to march down there now. The promised land was not by accident called the promised land. It was called the promised land because God had promised them the land. Now they're going to march down to this river of fear. And they're going to put their feet on the water. Now, their feet's going to touch the water, what the Bible says. But they're not going to walk on water. They're going to walk on dry ground. And sometimes you have to march toward your river of fear. I call it a river of fear because most of us are afraid of the unknown. You've got to go before you know. You don't know what's out there. You don't know what the Spirit's telling you. Time. but you know that God's moving in that direction and this is where I'm going 
but you go with full assurance that when I go, you see, God is involved because the ark was a dwelling place in the earth of Almighty God. And they walked down to that river of fear. Didn't a similar thing happen when they crossed the Red Sea? When they crossed the Red Sea. Now, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 10, this was a type of baptism. I don't know, maybe I'm speaking to someone here tonight who's never repented of their sins or been baptized in Jesus' name or filled with the Holy Ghost. I have talked to a lot of people that are afraid to be baptized. I don't know what they're afraid of. They take showers. They go into bathtubs. They go down to the beach. They go snorkeling and scuba diving and all this, but I'm afraid to get baptized. Why are they afraid to get baptized? Because it's totally different, see. There are all kinds of demons of fear that would keep you away from being baptized. But Moses marched three million Jewish people down to the Red Sea mountains on both sides and Pharaoh and his army coming behind and there he was but you see what was he doing he was creating a territory for a miracle I'll march down here I'm afraid but there seems to be no other way but the way I'm going because to go back where I came from It's certainly not right. God did not call me to lead these people out here and take them back to Egypt. Can't go up this mountain, it's too steep. Can't go up this mountain, it's too steep. But Moses, you can't go across this sea because it's too deep. It was then the Lord says, Moses, stand still and see your miracle. I will not leave you hanging on a limb. Because you have honored me with your faith, you're going to see your miracle. You have created an atmosphere. See, miracles happen in miracle territory. This is miracle territory. And you know what? This is miracle territory here at Calvary Gospel Church tonight. You see all these people dancing in the Spirit? Floods of faith were flowing. Praise God. Washing all the doubt out. The very demons of hell were screaming and running when the children of the Lord were dancing in the Spirit. Got to get out of this place. Hallelujah. I believe it. I believe that. I believe that. I say, I believe that. I believe that. I believe that. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I want everyone to stand right now if you would. Oh, thank you, Lord. I don't know what type of miracle you need tonight. Maybe a broken marriage. Maybe a financial problem. Maybe healing for your body. I'm not for sure. I don't know. But I know that God definitely spoke to me about this service tonight. I believe. I believe. 
I believe you're in miracle territory tonight. I really believe that. Now what I want you to do, I just want you to evaluate what you've heard. If you want to just drop your head momentarily. Are you going to respond to what you know God wants you to respond to? Are you willing to go before you know? Are you willing to walk down to the rivers of fear? You want to build your ark before the storm comes? You think you can do that? I want you to step out and come on down here. My, 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 my. Oh, hallelujah. My Jesus, my Jesus. Oh, God. <laughs> My Lord and my Savior. Oh, God. There's so many people coming tonight. If you're a minister of the gospel, I want you to just, or an elder of this church, circulate among these precious people. Just lay hands on them and encourage them. Anyone here tonight without the baptism of the Holy Ghost, why don't you come on tonight, surrender your life to the Lord. Come on, right now. Oh, hallelujah. My Lord, my Lord, my Lord, my Lord, my Lord. Oh, God, dear God. Come on, right now. Find someone to pray with. Our ministers and elders. Now, it's going to be difficult because we have such a crowd down to the front. Circulate among these people as much as you possibly can. Lay hands on them. Pray for them. Encourage them. Give them a word of encouragement. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Prepare me to be a sanctuary. That's it. That's it. Right now. Reach out to the Lord. Believe God right now for something great, for something wonderful.